and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews with makers of all kinds from all around the globe that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. Today's guest is Sarah Beth Post. Sarah Beth has just completed her time at Penland School of Craft in the Core Fellowship Program. Therefore, she is in a big transition. It's exciting to venture back out into the world, and Sarah Beth is looking very forward to the opportunities ahead. Her primary medium is glass, but she is also a bit of a metalsmith and is quite interested in printmaking techniques. In 2015, she earned her BFA in 3D studios, concentrating in glass with a creative writing minor at the University of Louisville in Kentucky. Reiki energy healing and meditation are non-material practices that she appreciates. It was a joy getting to spend time with Sarah Beth Post and learning more about all the ways that she's not only active in her craft, but active in the community of craft and artists. I thoroughly enjoy chatting with her, and I know you're going to enjoy our conversation as well. Before we hop into it, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon, especially Matthew from Artigiano Serio, who is our podcast patron sponsor. Thank you also to Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support helping to make this podcast happen. If you are enjoying the podcast, please stick around to the end of the episode, and I will share ways that you can support. Okay, let's head on into my conversation with Sarah Beth Post of Ultra Lit. All right. Well, Sarah, I like to ask my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yeah, um, I have to start by saying my my first name is Sarah Beth. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Sarah Beth, host. Um, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I just recently relocated here from Penland, North Carolina. I was in the core fellowship program at Penland School of Craft uh, and finished in February. I, um, yeah, I work with glass in a variety of ways, sculpture, jewelry, and production utilitarian ways. Okay, awesome. Um, and also, can you share with us your pronouns? Yeah, my pronouns are she, her. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, my pronouns also are she, her. So, um, <clears throat> and Penland, um, that's exciting to get to spend time there. I feel like it's Disneyland for makers and artists. Like, I just feel like that would be the vibe for it. I have not been there myself yet, but it's it's definitely on my to-do list. Yeah, you definitely have to go. I feel like, I mean, all of the studios are amazing, but the wood shop, I'm not a woodworker. When you right. walk there, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> it's amazing. But yeah, I'm really fortunate. I spent, well, three years in a two-year program because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I moved to the area about a year and a half before I was in the program to work with a resident artist, Dean Allison. So I got to know Penland pretty well. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, in August, my family, were taking a trip to the Smoky Mountains and we will be on the North Carolina side. But I, and I, so I looked it up. I'm like, I might as well look up how close Penland is like to our location. And it's still like a couple hour drive. So the only hope I have to go then is if I can talk my children into the idea that it will be cool. I promise. <laughs> yeah. <it will be. laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so did you go there to study glass then? Um, sort of to like being in the program, you get to choose any different medium. Okay. And I went to school for glass but going back to school in a way, it was kind of my alternative to graduate school. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to write papers and do all those other things that mm-hmm. uh, traditional academia 
you know, provides for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just wanted to be hands-on. Um, so part of that was to, you know, fine-tune some of my glass, but I really experimented. I took printmaking and metalsmithing, which is now kind of my like secondary focus mm -hmm. and you know, took a wood class and a metals workshop, just tried to branch out and see if there was anything else that would sort of push my vision further. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I had Christina Cordova on the podcast so I know she teaches at um Penland in clay and sculpture mm -hmm. yeah yeah she lives almost like on campus yes yeah <laughs> yeah she's a staple at Penland yeah yeah she does amazing work um well that's awesome yeah so you went that route um and now I'm going uh I feel like much later in life I'm going the the um, MFA route myself um, mm -hmm. in 3D design, furniture design. So I'm not branching out too much, but my secondary, at least what I'm hoping for right now is printmaking. Nice. Um, just because I feel like there's, I don't know, like I could make my own prints for upholstery or whatever. Um, so I'm excited to try something new because I haven't done that ever before. Yeah, print is exciting because once you think outside of paper when yeah. you, you work with other mediums you're like this is endless yes <laughs> on the walls I can <laughs> a mirror yeah and, yeah and there is um a process now glass makers have a, adopted um print making but with glass powders so you mm -hmm. can create an image all in glass but using print and so that's pretty exciting I've only experimented a little bit with that but mm -hmm. I would love to try some more. Is that similar to enameling at all, that process? Um, I think in a way, if you okay. think of like enameling and sifting through. Yeah, a screen, yeah. Yeah, it, it is similar, but you can actually expose a screen that has like a larger mesh oh. and then pull the powder through. So nice. it's very similar. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Um, so before diving even further down that rabbit hole, I want to just step back and kind of ask like the bigger story of Sarah Beth, where'd you, uh, where'd you grow up and, you know, kind of your journey into getting into um, the art world? Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is the capital, and a lot of people don't even know that because <laughs> they think it's Philly. Um, but yeah, so it's like central PA. And I, while I was in high school and talking with friends about what am I going to do after high school, I really did not have a thing in mind. But a friend of mine was like, I have this wild idea. I'm going to try glass making. And I was like, what is that? Like right. never, <laughs> never at all. And she explained to me and said that there's a program at our community college, which is kind of rare for a community college to have a whole glass set up. And so like at that conversation, I sort of was like, yeah, we'll go into business together. Like kind of thinking about yeah. like pipes and having a head shop. Mm -hmm. And then I went to school, Andrea never did, <laughs> and I got hooked, and I don't make pipes at all, that's mm -hmm. like, I don't even smoke, but um, yeah, once I started to learn glass, and it's terrifying, and that's sort of the appeal too, is like this mm -hmm. scary, like hot thing, like what can I touch, what can't I touch, um, it gave me a focus that I didn't have. I was sort of like a party girl, mm -hmm. going to festivals and, you know, just living life. But then once I started to kind of focus in on how I could create with glass, that just was it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Did, so like, it's interesting you said that about the community college, because like the only 
like in my state of Iowa, the only place left that has like a large kiln um, for glass is at a community college that's about 30 miles away um, from me. Um, <clears throat> and I, I made a, a custom floor lamp for somebody and we reached out to the instructors at that school with the glass to make a custom blown like you know a lampshade or glass piece for for the top of the the floor lamp so it was um yeah it was pretty interesting and and cool to kind of get to check out that space um and see it in real life like to that point I think I only ever have seen a glass shop on blown away that's about it so <laughs> Which is a cool show, actually. Yes. Like, this, I'm excited for the upcoming season because I, well, I've known a couple people on yeah. each season because Glass is a small community. Yeah. But I think this one's going to be really entertaining coming up. <laughs> um, I can't wait. I definitely like binge watch those seasons for sure. Like, I'm hooked. Episodes are short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I mean, obviously, a lot of crafts are like really physically intense, like if you're especially if you're on a clock, right, like those shows put you on a clock. So you're like really into it. Um, but I don't know, like there's something I feel connected to the the glass ones because like I make wood sculptural pieces. So it's just I don't know. It's nothing alike but similar enough that I feel like okay um it's also a field though that I feel it's small but I feel like it's not um very representative of like it's not very open I guess I feel like it's been fairly male dominated in my off or is that pretty accurate <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I actually do know a lot of um, women glass makers mm -hmm. and like of course some of like the glass blowers I grew yeah. up grew up as yeah. I was like learning I was like ah like right Callen and Catherine Gray who is you know mm -hmm. part host of blown away they're amazing and so there are some, but definitely not as many as the men in the field. And I've worked for more men. I don't even know if I have, I've worked for a woman in the hot shop, mm -hmm. but most of my jobs have been for men. And that's kind of like part of my trajectory was like, I'm thankful for all of the people that I've worked yeah. for different things that I've learned, but it's, I want to work for myself mm -hmm. <laughs> and like give that like female voice, but also, you know, be a role model or provide down the line. Maybe I'll have an assistant and I, in my head, I'm like definitely a woman or non-binary mm -hmm. uh, and BIPOC, like yeah. I want to be able to provide those types of opportunities that I had because that's often how you learn in classes. You just have to work your way up yep. you know, through assistantships and apprentices, um, apprenticeships. And then it takes a while to, to get into your own lane, but mm -hmm. it's possible. Yeah. And, and that was the other thing because I, um, uh, talking with Annie Evelyn of Crafting the Future, and we were talking more about her, you know, her chairs. Um, but we did spend some time talking about glass <clears throat> and beyond it being like kind of heavily male dominated, it's awful, also like pretty heavily white and very, very few. I think she said there was like four. <laughs> like yeah. uh, well, people are color in there <laughs> our team is growing um yeah. I work with Annie with um crafting the future yeah. I'm the social media coordinator yeah. and um Corey who's our executive director mm -hmm. is my best friend and we actually met in 2013 at a glass workshop in Corning and so our conversation about like being black in the field 
was like instant. That was yes. the first conversation we had. And I'm super fortunate. My professor in school is one of two black, um, you know, glass professors in the country that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So that's rare. Um, and there's a team well, we kind of have two names. There's the Better Together, which is an event that Cedric mm-hmm. Mitchell and Corey Pemberton put on in LA calling for all the black class. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like come out there. And that happened beginning of 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was real special for all of us to just get together and work together under one space and yeah, it was probably the first time many of us had met and also like more than two be in a studio at a time. Yeah. Um, and it's been growing since then. We just had a residency together as a group out at Pilchuck Glass School. And then we did a closing demo at the Gas Glass Art Society Conference. And that was awesome because we had our team, which was like the headline. Yeah. yeah. Then we invited all of the BIPOC students in glass and whoever was around to come out. And there's a photo. Now there's like, we're growing. And yeah. <laughs> you kind of just have to like shout out like, hey, I'm here. Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And I guess I want to. Um, so, you know. The, the podcast is available both audio and visual, but I would say most of my audience definitely just listens. So just to clarify, can I get you to tell us how you identify so people can feel like they're following along with this conversation? Yeah, um, I identify as being um, a mixed race female. I present very white, actually. <laughs> um, and... My, my mom is black, my dad is white, and um, my name, my like the brand that I use for my production line is Ultra Lit. And that actually was coined um, by, when I was in undergrad, I was a creative writing minor, and I wrote a lot of poetry and reflected a lot on what it was to navigate as basically being a passing woman mm-hmm. and um, like, how I relate to black culture or how I really don't sometimes like being this in between Mm -hmm. type of person. So I was trying to like label exactly what my skin color was and it's ultra light. (laughs) (laughs) And so that to me, it sounds like cigarettes or like Mm -hmm. beer, like a really bad one. And so it's not good. And so I just changed it to ultra lit. And that was my pen name when I was trying to write in that, um, you know, specific Mm -hmm. subject. I think it goes with the one of the, I would say that goes with, to me, with the one of the pictures you sent with like, you know, the big flame. Like to me, I think of that when you say ultra lit. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, hot shot, fire. Got it. A lot of people are like, oh, stoner. <laughs> I get it, but not, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so you said that the community college had, of course, did you do like a, an um, associate degree there or did you just like kind of get your feet wet and move on to some yeah. to another school? I did get an associates. I don't think they even offer it anymore. Oh, wow. It's, um, it was contemporary crafts marketing, a two-year program. So alongside of learning, you know, how to make stuff, there were like classes about prototyping and how to move from a prototype to a product for um, like a arts um, festival. That's kind Mm -hmm. of route that we did. There's a, um, what's it called? Capona Arts Fest in Harrisburg on the riverfront. So we entered the market stream today's episode is sponsored by athena outfitters athena outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hard-working women that sells everything badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics they curate the toughest essentials made to help 
you perform, every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle. From rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair, you can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters, and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code M. M as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. And um, that was kind of not enough for me as far as it was only two years and I really wanted to keep working with glass and um, ne not necessarily forgetting like how to make stuff to sell, but I wanted to kind of figure out like, what was I trying to say? So from Hack, Harrisburg Area Community College, I moved on to the University of Louisville in Kentucky to work towards my BFA concentrating in glass mm -hmm. um, and Shay Rhodes is the professor there and it was very not at all about like making stuff to sell it was like what are what's a concept how do you present that um, mm -hmm. you know art <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was a challenge for me because I never really had dove into that. I'm just kind of like a, I mean, I've evolved now, but I was very much a process. Like I want to make, I want to start here and I want to get to this point. And so it was a challenge, but I feel like it was a great route for me to experiment and think about just the world differently and not have to monetize everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like a whole different I mean, I'm pretty much, I, I took woodworking courses at like a, a community college in, when we lived in California, but like, since I've been my own business, it's like always been about like, how do I monetize this? So that is actually one of the things I'm like looking forward to um, with the master's program is to like go through this process, which part of that, the program I am in is still a bit about like monetizing but I think a lot of it is about like design for design sake mm -hmm. and so I'm I definitely am looking forward to like trying to work my brain in a different way than what I've been doing because I know at least for me and I don't know if it was the same for you when you were like in your associates program but like I come up with an idea and then usually the end result that I get is not that original idea I came up with because I had to make like concessions or changes to be like this thing that I want to do is going to take too long which means I won't be able to sell this because it will be too expensive so I'm going to cut that out like it's it's almost not a fully but a little bit of a watered down version of what maybe I initially wanted to go after just because I'm like nobody's gonna you know pay me for the 900 hours that it took right. to like make this thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I mean I kind of have all of these different practices and it just depends on sort of the time in the year yeah like what my focus is or what I have time for if I'm invited somewhere then I'm most likely gonna make what I call like sculpture or mm -hmm. that work that has more of a voice to it that people can sit with mm -hmm. but like I, I love the process of production and kind of repeating things and always having to tweak it a little bit and when those that type of like object 
gets into the hands of people more readily than yeah. a sculpture that costs thousands of dollars. That's, it's actually really satisfying to see yep. like, oh my God, my cup is over here and somebody's wearing my ring over there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, similar. It's like, I also as basically at the same time as I'm preparing to, to go back to school in August, I am getting my first like CNC and the whole intent is so like I can have like production and then I can have more you know artisan pieces that like the production will keep me afloat while I work on artisan pieces and find like that very specific like right client for that work mm -hmm, absolutely it's a it's a good balance because you're yeah. always making that way right mm -hmm. exactly and that I guess definitely is the is the dream for me um, is to always be making. Uh, but um, I was gonna ask because I've heard you know some people talk about. Do you feel like does doing kind of flexing both those the production the sculptural work? Do you ever feel like the work aspect takes away from? like the love of the craft mm, that's interesting um I feel like I think about this sometimes because um yeah it's like when you are doing the same thing over and over it's like oh my god one more one <laughs> yeah more. it's always one more oh, yes but um it, that passes really quickly because I think in the end, like that is like my passion. That's anybody's passion that is making is to be able to do that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And if you're making a living from it and you're your own boss and you, if you're not making something that you like, then you can change that. You, right. <laughs> you don't need to do anything you want. Um, so yeah, I try to not get annoyed with myself. When <laughs> so much monotony yeah and I think that's like sometimes I struggle with um like I'm like oh I make this 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 and that if you ask somebody what I make they might be able to tell you like this one thing but right it's pretty open it's broad yeah. and that is probably comes out of like getting not even bored just like mm -hmm. wanting to try something else and I often come back to you know a lot of different things but because I have the ability to do what I want to do in the studio right. why not <laughs> yeah yeah I know that's the same for me it's like even if I'm doing something I to be fair right now um I haven't I rarely make two of an object um <clears throat> I might make like two plant propagation stations, but they look nothing alike, right? Like the, the functionality is the same, but they're not going to like look the same. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have <clears throat> that level of monotony, but even when I do kind of get in that zone, I'm still like always thinking about like, oh, what if I tried this thing? I haven't seen anyone ever try this, like whatever weird thing um, that I'm thinking about. And so it's, it's fun to just get into that experimental mode too. And like you said, like being your own boss, like allows you to be able to do that. Kind of yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you're in the opposite when you're the employee it's like you don't want to be yelled at or right. like you're gonna treat yourself good because right. that's what you want exactly <laughs> so what do you get to ha work with for studio space um I'm really fortunate right now um my I moved to Pittsburgh and this is one of the classrooms that is in my house my partner and his best friend bought an old schoolhouse in a neighborhood mm -hmm. and have transformed that into our live workspace. They're both glassmakers as well. So in another room, we have a flame working set up. So, um, you know, sometimes I work with glass out of the furnace, but that's a lot of yeah. equipment. And, but the torch for flame working, which most of my jewelry is made with, mm -hmm. 
is a torch, it's propane and oxy, and it's really accessible. Yeah. So I have that at home, and I also have a metal smithing setup. And that's kind of um set up in the metal yeah. smithing room right now. It's okay. a flux room. Um, but there's also about 20 minutes from here is the Pittsburgh Glass Center. And I have a lot of friends that work there. And eventually, once I kind of get situated, I've been traveling a lot. I'll also use that space and rent time to make gotcha. different things. Mm-hmm. Very cool. First of all, very cool that bought an old school. <laughs> like, yeah, I would never have even thought of that. But that's like genius. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's it. I never would have thought of it either. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like. This is so much space. I don't even, I right. can't even comprehend. Right. <laughs> but it, it, we can change and like modify everything yeah. that put a lot of time into like just refinishing windows and like bringing it back to really nice wood below mm-hmm. like layers and layers of paint. Paint. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, do you think like, do you foresee like that you guys could open up your space to teaching? Like, I don't know if that's something that you would see on your horizon or not. Yeah, I don't know if we would have that here because it is also our home. Right. And just like legality of certain things, kind of like try to keep it on the low that we have lots of flames inside. (laughs) Um, but that's also kind of the great thing about the glass center is, you know, we're, we're really good friends with them and there are different opportunities to teach, um, locally if I wanted to pursue that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you have any interest in, in teaching? Yeah, I'm going to teach, um, in, at the Corning Museum of Glass, the studio there in July, and that program, it's, I'm actually really excited because my first like glass job was there. So I'm coming full circle, <laughs> like my first like real teaching, yeah. at, like a craft school. Um, yeah, so that program is called Expanding Horizons. And they have students coming in with a mentor from different programs like Project Fire, which is in Chicago. And they are students that work with Pearl Dick um, in the hotshot primarily. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have been affected by gun violence. Oh. So it's a, it is like an outreach program. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be talking about like how to make kilniform objects towards sort of like a business model of like production and Mm -hmm. in the end discussing like what maybe a good product is how do we talk about a product how do we get it out there Mm -hmm. um but working with um young adults or like teenagers is something that I really find a lot of joy in when Mm -hmm. I was in um North Carolina before I started the core program I worked with the rural education um partners of Mitchell County which is the county outside of Penland, which is very mm-hmm. different from the bubble that is. I'm Penland. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> it's very uh, rural. Like it's yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, but I taught after school art, and I had a group of mostly girls, and I had a, I was in different middle schools, and they taught me a lot about you know just being yourself, and. It, it was actually difficult for some of them to live where they did and, and to actually be themselves with different adults because they were not necessarily, you know, um, comforted enough to be out, to, to be mm-hmm. clear or to like view people that are different from them as like valid. Yeah. So in, in our classroom, it was like everything stays in here, but we talked about, you know, like how how it is to be a woman. Um, like it was an open space. Like day one, I was like, I'm mixed, and my best friends are gay, and so mm-hmm. I'm coming to the classroom <laughs> like that. And that's 
we're, we're, I accept everyone and right. want to help you do the same. And so, you know, that type of impact, I think was like really important for me. And I want to keep teaching in that way. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like working with students that th those students in North Carolina were sort of selected by, um, you know, their counselors or from different teachers and principals, seeing creative students that kind of needed something. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, I think I kind of, I was always like an odd ball myself, even though I hung out with like a ton of people, I always felt like on the outskirts. So those are the types of students that I'm like, let's come together. Let's you know, make stuff and feel good about it, feel good about being ourselves and like putting that into what we're making. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I do feel like, I don't know, these younger generations are much more like open to <laughs> those kinds of conversations and um looking for those spaces and maybe advocating for themselves a, a little bit better than um, definitely better than my generation did for sure. Yeah, I agree. And it was like, I grew up more in the sit in the city and then in the suburbs and definitely <laughs> didn't know much about North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, I learned a lot with them and it took time, but I became a resource for like one of the students in particular, like when the pandemic started, um, I tried to reach out and we did like one-on-one um, -on -one talks through, you know, Google or whatever. Yeah. And they were able to open up to me things that they couldn't to their teachers or to their parents. Mm -hmm. And so I was just happy that I could be an adult figure yeah. that they were like able to talk to. And like, not that I have great advice, but I'm not going <laughs> to judge you. you right. know? Yeah. I don't, I think most of the time, um, and this is for adults too. I think most of the time when any of us are looking for advice, we're not really looking for advice. We're looking for permission to believe ourselves. Um, I think that really is the case. Like, I just need somebody to be like, no, you're like, it's okay that you're, you're thinking that way. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all is good. And most of the people around you just are in yeah. some weird hole. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I want to kind of touch on then, like, so you've got the teach you know, the teaching coming up, which that does sound really exciting. And as the little bit I know about the glass world, I know like, like Corning is like, oh, right. Like it's like the big place to kind of go to. Yeah. Um, outside of those, like how else, like, are you actively making, uh, you know, pieces right now? And um, like, how do you, you sell them like all those kinds of things yeah <laughs> yeah um like right right now I just started to work on um another like avenue in the jewelry studio which is combining glass and metals um I've had like for the longest time I've been trying to come up with a pair of earrings that is both and I just couldn't do it and something clicked yesterday <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, I'm thinking I, I did it. <laughs> so that's what's on the bench right now. Um, so you could watch my Instagram and slowly I'll be like, look at this new thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, because that's the most accessible at my home studio is I have the torch, which I make all my beads on. Um, and then I have the metal studio, which you know, as long as I have some wire or some sheet metal, I can just play around and figure out something. But um, I'm also always kind of working on what are these like wall installations that I've been mm. 
making out of cast glass letters. And while I was at Pilchuck, you know, it was a group residency. So we all worked together in the hot shop and made different things, but I kind of was off a little bit um, trying to cast more letters because any phrase, you know, takes kind of a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have to keep making them. And I got a, a decent number of the, um, letters made while I was away and so it's enough for me to play around with um, to work towards you know still writing and trying to figure out a new phrase um, or composition mm -hmm. but that's kind of a thing that's also always on deck it, it takes a lot longer to make just because um, I, I tend to like make as many letters as I can mm -hmm. and then put them out in front of me and my head and my brain start to like do this and connect the dots and I'll write on the side and then it you know I don't really oftentimes I don't write out a thing and then make it mm -hmm. make parts of it and then think on it keep making parts and then something comes and I'm like okay now I need mm -hmm. this amount of ease because I, I know what I'm after um, which is fun because I just keep on like making it's a, it's a longer process yeah 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 that sounds like fun mm -hmm. um, it got me it got my brain squirreling down the path of the people who make like the like led neon signs um mm -hmm. yeah like I could see it being like I don't know that just sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't learn my last class at Penland um, when I finished core was a neon class. What well, was neon and glass blowing with mm -hmm. um, Jen Ellick and Jeremy Burt. So I got to do some neon and I was definitely like, oh yeah, letters, duh. Yeah. <laughs> They're hard. Like when you, if you look at a neon sign up close, especially letters, Mm -hmm. And you see like the things behind it that yeah. are put up. It's like, oh my goodness. But that's another, it's like a lot of why we all like to make things is there's a challenge in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you feel like, like, do you think you'd go on and do any more schooling at this point? Um, I am taking a workshop at Pilchuck this summer. I got a scholarship. And um, I do think sometimes about grad school, but it, it would probably more be geared towards um, education, I think. Mm -hmm. I have thought about art therapy, um, but there's not as much like funding for those programs. And I feel like I've done a lot of school. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> being at Penland, even though it's like, craft and that's what you're doing all of the instructors that come there are amazing right right and so you're getting more than just like technical hands-on mm -hmm. things like there are a lot of discussions and even just the community of Penland too um I feel like I was always learning in mm -hmm. such different ways so now I'm thinking I'm like more prepared to teach and try and like all the stuff that I've taken in, it's like, okay, it's time to like help others yes, get to that yeah. point. Yeah. So I also then want to kind of maybe use that to segue into how, how'd you get into the crafting the future? Mm -hmm. um, so I know Corey and Annie mm -hmm. and I went out to the Better Together event in LA and that was Better Together is like a was a partner to Crafting the Future but is now kind of absorbed by and just having different conversations with both Annie and Corey about what Crafting the Future is doing, where it's going um, and Penland, Penland has like the mothership, which is yeah. like a bunch of different artists that were helping with different fundraising um, for CTF. And I 
told Corey, I was like, oh, I have this great idea for Black History Month. You should do interviews on Instagram live because, you know, it was also the pandemic. So everything was on Instagram live. And he was like, great, you should do that for us. I was like, oh, Oh. (laughs) I guess it was my idea and I'll I'll roll with that. So um, I volunteered myself. And, and that was like the beginning of trying to like figure out how I could continue to being active. Yeah. So, um, they kind of didn't have somebody that was like posting regularly mm-hmm. and I'm a nerd when it comes to Instagram. I'm just like, I like being on there. I like, <laughs> I like posting. Right. I just, yeah. And a lot of people, I guess, don't actually enjoy that. <laughs> so I was, you know, they asked if I would be interested and I was like, yeah, for sure. So that's how I'm now like on the team doing that thing. Doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So then you probably saw all my tags. It was kind of fun and funny because I like got brought on and then it was a week later and they were like, oh, did we tell you about the fundraiser we're doing? I was like, no. They were like, (laughs) then we started talking about it. I was like, oh, this is all a social media thing. Yes. (laughs) The fundraiser I'm doing. Um, yeah. So hashtag CTF DIY. I was, I was the one reposting everything and trying to comment as much as I could. Yes. It was awesome, um, to see, cause I, you know, I'm not going to lie at first. I was like, Ooh, we'll see how this goes. I'm not right. sure because Instagram, like obviously people are still using it, but it's not like early in 2020 right. when every that's just what people were doing all day long yep or out and about now so I yeah. just like we'll we'll see and I was really surprised and happy with how many artists participated mm-hmm. and you know it was a way for our followers who are the makers to be able to talk to their followers about yep. the organization and it was it was really successful so th- thank you for participating. You're welcome. I I missed the week that you like it was like the official week, but I'm like I'm pretty sure they'll still take the money. So I'll just like <laughs> I'll just yeah, add I'm, on to it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we did put a date on it just to see like let's motivate people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try and make it this solid thing, but more it is like the model to show people, especially artists, like mm-hmm, we don't have a lot of money. Some of most of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have lots of stuff. Yes. <laughs> and we're happy to make things. Yes. And so it can be like always an ongoing method to like trying to help out. Yeah. I mean, and it's one that's used like a lot for a lot of artists, like locally too, right? It's the same thing. Like, um, there's several organizations locally that, you know, I try to give to and, but I don't always have the free flowing cash to like do that even from my business. And so, but it's like, oh, you guys are doing a silent auction to raise money. Okay. Well, here's this thing you can like auction off to help raise money. Like that's, you know, it's a little bit easier, I guess, in that regard to, to give of a gift than always to be able to give of my wallet though I do do both I am a member of of CTF so (laughs) (laughs) yes I want to give you a chance though uh because we are getting at the end to let people know how they can see all your work specifically like you know CTF I share about and now we know like you're the person behind that uh (laughs) behind the posting but your work specifically can you uh let us know how to find that um, I have a website. It is sarabethpost.net, S-A-R-A-B-E-T-H-P-O-S-T dot N-E-T. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of shows like all my sculpture and I have a little shop on there. 
but um, my Instagram handle is ultralit.sb and I'm on there pretty regularly and then from there I have a link to my website too awesome mm-hmm. awesome and I'll include links to all of that um, on the show notes for the episode so people can easily find that um, I'm gonna say thank you for chatting with me today and especially thank you for dealing with the several interruptions <laughs> summer yay yeah Yeah. thank you for having me I kind of was like oh my gosh why would somebody reach out to me to talk with them but because um (laughs) I'm kind of a glass nerd I think it's like it's like carved spoons which I don't make carved spoons and blown glass those are like the two things that I obsess over that I don't personally make that I'm just like oh that's just so cool (laughs) we'll have to talk after the next season of blown away comes out absolutely (laughs) all right awesome um well yeah thank you again thank you again thank you all right so again that was sarah beth post of ultra lit and i will include the links on how you can follow along with her and her work in the show notes for today's episode best places to find that is check the description on your podcast app If you're watching this on YouTube, please check the description box down below. And lastly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast. You can find today's episode as well as all the past episodes. Make sure to follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at crafting a revolution. That's all one word, no spaces, underscores, dashes, none of that. So at crafting a revolution. If you are enjoying the podcast, especially today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review that immensely helps the podcast get more eyes and ears on it. You can get in touch with your host, myself, Katie Freeman, at Freeman Furnishings on Instagram and all social media, and my co-host, Katie Thompson, at Women of Woodworking and Pen and Chisel across all social media as well. We always enjoy chatting with those who... uh, engage with the podcast next week we will be back with one brand new episode and in the meantime as always let's go craft a revolution Shit.